tuned into the greatest. You are now tuned into the greatest. Oh, 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 oh my God. It's the Fearless Podcast with Arian Simone. Special announcement. We have our Fearless Retreat coming up. I would love for you guys to all enjoy this. Our Fearless Retreat is definitely a high-end ticket. It's an intimate time. Sometimes we've had it in Aspen. Sometimes we have it in Hamptons. But the one coming up is in Aspen, January 9th through 12th. You will love it. We have a few spots left, so be sure to email into us. You can even email into me, info at ariansimone.com, and just let me know you're interested in the information on the Fearless Retreat. It's a time of sisterhood, a time of fellowship, time of personal and professional growth and development. You can definitely check out our pages to see um, recent photos. Go to hashtag Fearless Retreat. You are going to love it. Hi, Arian. Oh my God! Last girl. <laughs> yes, welcome to the Fearless Podcast, Macy. Thank you. I feel like I have been on a long journey to get here, and I am so happy I arrived at the promised land of the Fearless Podcast. <laughs> How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm wonderful in you. You are I, too hilarious. You I said the promised land. <laughs> I am doing well, thank you. It's so good to hear your voice this morning. Great to hear your voice, too. What part of the world are you in? I'm in Chicago today. What? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm in the States, and I'll actually be in the States for the entire month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh. So, but you're from Chicago, right? I'm from Chicago, yeah. Um, oh, and I, by the way, I'm so sorry for spelling your name incorrectly. Ugh. I hate it when people I, spell my name It's correctly. okay. You do it all the time. I, say I am Macy so sorry. I not gotten my name right, but it is okay. <laughs> I am so sorry. And I try to pay attention to those things because people always misspell my name. So I will be much more attentive to that. I apologize. Yes, it's not a problem. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad I have you. You are doing amazing things in the field of technology. And season three is our entrepreneurship series. And I said, I have to have Macy on for this. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I'm thrilled about joining you. Oh, thank you. Well, definitely let the audience know who you are. You're the founder of On Second Thought. But give them just a brief rundown. And I'm going to get into like all your accolades and brag on you and everything. (laughs) Because you're you're a rock star. Well, thank you. Um, I am Macy Peterson Felitas. And I am the co-founder and CEO of On Second Thought. And what we did is we created a solution so that whenever you sent a message and you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't mean to send that, uh, we enable you to undo it and take it back before it gets to the other person. And we Hold help- on, you, you said that so calmly. <laughs> In the 21st century... That is what everybody needs and wants, okay? So you said that like, oh, we just let you take your text messages back. (laughs) People are probably listening like, wait a minute. Can I get this now? How do I do this? (laughs) Exactly. I think it's amazing. Um, Thank you. I'm going to dig into that just a second. I know you're giving like the rundown. I'm going to let you give it. But I have a question about that because I'm so intrigued by what you've developed and what you're doing. Yes, ma'am. And the fact that it's even patent technology. I have a question. Um, So is this like, you know, like on Instagram, if you're in direct messages Mm -hmm. and I can unsend, if somebody already saw it, can I take it back or no? 
No. So actually we came out before Instagram created that feature. Um, and the way it works and the genius of our technology is that you can undo it before they get it so that they'll never see your mistake. Um, and you can say what exactly what you mean to say. And this works for text messages and emails, right? So our technology gets embedded and it can be embedded into any platform, whether it's a text or a peer-to-peer payment or a message or an email or in a platform that you use to send documents and files. Our technology can be used to undo anything you send from a mobile or desktop device before it gets the other person. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants this. <laughs> I mean, the, the government is probably going to be one of your biggest Girl, clients. Oh, my gosh. They need <laughs> us so badly. I mean, even beyond, you know, social media and things like that, but also for those emergency alert systems. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Hawaii's um, Department of Defense accidentally t- t- or sent a message saying that there was a nuclear missile headed for Hawaii. And they immediately realized their mistake, but it took them over 30 minutes to reverse the message. Oh, that, and that's a PR nightmare. That's a PR girl, nightmare. Girl, it is. It is. And so people were in panic. Millions of people were in panic for 30 minutes because of a messaging mistake that with our technology could have been reversed before they even received it. Mm-mm-mm. That's, that's, that's a nightmare. It is. It's a nightmare for everyone, right? It's a nightmare for the government. But also, could you imagine if you'd received a message saying that a nuclear missile was headed for you? And- oh, no. I mean, people can be falling out. People can panic. People can go into depression. People can have right. heart attacks. Exactly. And when you're in Hawaii, there's like nowhere to go. The islands are so small. Yeah. People may become suicidal. They're like, well, I don't want to go out like that. Well, beyond that, they're calling friends and family saying, you know, I, like saying their last words and that they love them. Like it was a nightmare. Yeah, that's it's, that's just too much. That's way too much. Yeah. So give the background about this. What I love about this podcast, you see, we're talking like as if we're sitting in my house talking. Mm-hmm. So give the background about how you got into this space, how you came up with this solution. Um, when give all like the notes and bolts of your entrepreneurial journey. Were you always an entrepreneur, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just so you know, I struggle with multi-part questions. So I'll try to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, start, start, started started square one. You okay. got into the workforce after college. Yeah, so um, I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, I was that kid who, when I would get bored, I'd set up a lemonade stand in my driveway or, or uh, in my front yard or a car wash in my driveway. Um, my cousin and I would make friendship bracelets in our room at our grandmother's house and sell them to our friends. So I was always creating things and selling them. Um, I went to college and when I went, entrepreneurship wasn't really on my radar. Um, I thought I wanted to make movies. And so I went to Chapman and I enrolled as a film student. And my sophomore year, um, and, and I know we talk about faith in this podcast, and so I'll, I'll, I'll give you kind of the full story. Um, my sophomore year, or my freshman year when I went to college, I kind of said to God, I was like, you know, God, this has been fun. It's been great, but I'm going to do my own thing. And I'll, you know, I'll see you in a couple of years. <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> and so at the beginning of my sophomore year, I just sensed the Lord being like, so how's this been going for you? And I was like, mm, not so great. And he was like, don't you know, I have better things for you. 
And shortly after that, he inspired me with the idea for my first company, um, which was a magazine for women of the African diaspora ages 18 to 24. Um, It was called Mari, which means young women in Swahili. And the purpose was to equip them with the tools that they needed in order to be effective leaders in our global society. And um, so with that, I turned my dorm room or the closet in my room into my office, which I called the cave. And I just mm-hmm. worked <laughs> on, on this idea for the rest of my college career. Um, and I finally launched it uh, the year after college, grew it to a readership of over 130,000 readers um, due and driven by, uh, due to and driven by um, strategic partnerships for distribution with colleges and universities. Um, but the problem was that I was doing all of this at the height of the recession. Um, and no one was really investing in media because I don't know if you remember in like 2009, 2010, print was dying or they were saying the market was saying that print was dying, but no one really knew what was going to become of this digital media. Um, I know, because I launched Fearless in the recession in 2010, and I was in the same situation yeah. too. So yeah, go ahead. exactly. So um, after being sponsored by my parents uh, for about a year to get this thing off the ground, um, I'd only sold about $2,500 in advertising. And so my parents were, said to me, you know, that was great. Good job. But it's time for you to go get a job now. Oh, <laughs> We already know how that goes. And were you were you were you distributed? Like I was printing. Fearless magazine was national, oh, international. Were you printing amazing. and you were everywhere? No, we were not printing. Um, so we were one of the first digital magazines out there. And gotcha. The really yeah, and the really cool thing about it was that I had um, mentors at Essence and at Self, um, and they you know kind of looped me into their meetings with some of the larger. Uh, corporations out there. And so they gave me the exposure and the opportunity to help set some of the KPIs and standards that are still used in, in digital media today. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. And so um, with that, after my parents told me to get a job, I uh, joined The Root, which was then a subsidiary of the Washington Post. And I ran slash was their marketing department for three years uh, before leaving and going on to Marriott to do global brand management and innovation for them. That is awesome. That is definitely awesome. But how did you feel taking a different route? Um, Did you have any resistance with your parents? No, I did not. Um, And it's because, so my dad's an attorney and my mom uh, was a teacher, but largely a stay-at-home mom with us. And my dad always said that he became an attorney so we wouldn't have to. Um, and so whatever my brothers and I were passionate about, my parents just doubled down on and let us fully explore what that was and, you know, become, you know, those things. And so whether I wanted to be a photographer or an entrepreneur or a filmmaker or a lawyer, um, it didn't really matter to my parents. What mattered most to them was that we were doing uh, or that I was doing what I was created to do. That's beautiful. 
No, but that's so beautiful because as parents, you know, you're to foster your children's gifts. Mm-hmm. And though they couldn't see like the immediate vision, no, right. no faults on their part. They're like, we still support your dream in a different fashion. Exactly. Like, however, <laughs> you do need to pay your bills. <laughs> yes. They're like, okay, so let's figure this out. Right. So you founded this company what year? I founded on Second Thought in 2014. And um it was, and I was in a situation like about 71% of Americans where I, or I should say American smartphone owners, where I sent a message that I wanted to take back. Um, and there was not, it was impossible for me to do so. Um, and, you know, after sending that message, I slammed my fingers against my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have a way to get this back. And after checking the app store and the play store, there was nothing available. And so, I asked my friends if there was, um, if they'd ever sent a message they wanted to take back and overwhelmingly they all said yes. Um, and so with that, I thought, well, instead of complaining about wanting to undo messages, let me see if I can create a solution, uh, that enables me to do that. I have a question again about this technology, cause I just think this thing is so awesome. Thank you. Um, what? Okay. Well, you don't like two-part questions. So let me start with the first one. (laughs) The first one is on, does this work with just text or images too? Because you know that people are sexting highly in Mm -hmm. these days and they are sending some pictures, honey. So I'm just curious to know, does this work for images as well as words? It works for anything. So images, words, videos, voice messages, um, literally anything that is sent from a phone or a commute computer a uh, desktop com- desktop computer now on the text messages these are just things i'm thinking of as we're talking though mm-hmm. but on the text messages how do you know if the person has received it or not if they don't have the red um indication on there so, so it, it will yeah. tell me like oh they read it already your message can't be deleted or it's deleted and you know it's deleted because they hadn't seen it So we use a graphic interface in order to demonstrate and show you um, if you can still undo your message and once it's been delivered. Um, Like I said, we license our technology now to other platforms. And so they can um, they can enable their users to undo the message kind of however they please in terms of the UX uh, uh, interface and, and their tangible experience. But Um, what we recommend is that they have a gradient over the message to show the timer, which is the amount of time someone has to undo the message. Um, and the user can either swipe left to undo the message, just as you would in a message or in a dating app, or you can swipe right to override that timer. Um, once the timer has expired, the message turns a different color and that lets you know, all right, you can't undo this any longer. Got you. So it's more like a delay in sending. It's, it's uh, it, basically, it's like a buffer. Um, gotcha. And, um, and then once the message has finally been delivered, then it turns another color. Gotcha. No, I think this is so, I don't know. I just think it's so dope, so awesome. And you mentioned when you founded it, um, you know, how things were initially. 
how did you get this going off the ground? Like, did you like, I, I'm like, I know everybody in technology. I know who to call on. <laughs> how did you know where to start? Some people are probably listening to this like, who does she have up her pocket or is this all in her head? Yeah, I mean, it's really by the grace of God. Um, so a couple of years before uh, starting the company and even working on On Second Thought and before I even thought of On Second Thought, I found myself at a lot of tech events in D.C. And I wasn't really sure why. Um, it's just that a lot of my friends were like in the startup space and in various um, capacities. And, you know, D.C. is kind of the land of the happy hour. And so they'd say, hey, Macy, going to this happy hour, or this event, do you want to go? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, and so through that, I built a network um, within the startup and tech uh, community and ecosystem in D.C. such that when I finally did have an idea, um, I knew exactly who to call. But it wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't intentional <laughs> about building a network. Um, it was, it, it, it really just came to me. And that's why I said it was really God is yeah, that's that he put me, yeah. yeah, he put me in these places such that when he finally inspired me with what I wanted to do or what he needed me to do. Um, I the knew... resources were there. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There's, there's such a beauty about being in alignment and just walking in purpose. Mm, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's, and it's funny because at that point I was even because I was going to these events, I was receiving all of these emails about tech event, other, other tech events and opportunities and things like that. Um, and so shortly after I decided, you know, all right, Lord, I'll, if you want me to do this, you've got to make it happen. Cause I'm, I don't know anything at that point. I didn't know anything about technology in terms of working in the tech space. Um, my entire background, as I mentioned, was in media and marketing. Um, and I'd worked in Hollywood a little bit. And so I was like, all right, Lord, if you want this to happen, like you need to, lead me and show me. And so I received uh, an email from Startup Weekend about a pitch competition that they were having at South by Southwest. And they were calling for everything from ideas to full companies. And I thought, well, I have an idea, <laughs> but that's about it. And I applied for the competition and I you know, filled out their little application and um, I got invited to pitch at South by Southwest. Um, and through a series of no joke miracles that included flying standby, riding in cars with strangers, and a little bit of hitchhiking, I made it to that competition. And out of 20 companies and ideas, I won first place for the idea of On Second Thought. And Arianne, let's be very clear. At that point, I didn't even know how to create the technology. Um, oh, my but, God. But uh, that... To seize the moment. Exactly. But that victory let me know, all right, one, this is clearly something God has for me because, I mean, there were, like, engineers in the space or in the competition and people who, like, actually knew what they were doing. Uh, so, so um, one, you know, it was, it was something God had purposed for me to do. Two, um, I not only had a good idea, but I also had a, a, a great business opportunity as well. It was, so not only was it a great idea, but it was also a viable business. And so with that, I decided, well, now I guess I have to figure this out. <laughs> and, 
and we were kind of off to the races after that. That's dope. And I love that the audience gets to hear the truth of that story. So they know, you know what, even if you don't have it all figured out, you're supposed to go for it. Exactly. You you definitely have the work ethic and you definitely had a lot of things, you know, in your preparation that puts you in that position. Exactly. So I'm not telling anybody just to go for anything foolish. No. No. And I didn't quit my job right then. I kept my very good paying job for about another year or so. Um, as I, and let's, let's get into that. How yeah. did you know when it was time to quit your job? It all goes back to prayer. Um, so I left uh, the Washington Post. And like I said, I went to Marriott. Um, and by the time I was interviewing for Marriott, uh, the pitch competition at South by Southwest had already happened. Um, and so I let them know, you know, hey, uh, I'm kind of tinkering around with this project. Um, I don't know, you know, what it's going to become, but I feel like you should know that. And it, actually they hired, part of the reason why they hired me was because of that. Um, because they had me leading, uh, actually the redevelopment of their, of their mobile game, um, which was really awesome because I'd make all my mistakes at Marriott during the day. And then I call my co-founder at night and I'd be like, Hey, we need to watch out for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then we launched, uh, our proof of concept, which was a beta version of our app in December of 2014. And, um, it was pretty explosive. Um, within about a week, we had about a thousand downloads in two weeks, we had 2,500, um, and so on and so forth, uh, to the, through the tens of thousands and hundreds over a hundred thousand, Um, and in February of 2015, we went kind of viral within, uh, like black media. And from that, we kind of went viral just in the media at large. And so reporters were calling my desk at Marriott, (laughs) and, Uh um, because they would call, uh, the Marriott, um, the Marriott, operator and they would transfer me to my desk or them to my desk. And it was really getting out of control. Um, so I, I went to our VP's office and I was like, Hey, um, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, can you, or can we somehow tell the operators to just give people my email address so that, you know, this isn't eating into my time here. Um, and he was like, no, you just have to take the calls. So, I was taking interviews with like NPR and other news uh, radio stations from my cubicle. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was like you were being forced out. No, I wasn't being forced out actually. Like I, no, they were, I, don't, I, mean, I don't mean literally. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah don't mean like li- the, the force of what I was exactly, creating. Exactly. 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 Yeah. And, I don't mean like literally, they're like, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know the force. The of momentum, what I, yeah, exactly. the momentum of what was going on was becoming so much of an undertaking to where it was like I'm, I'm about to have to leave. Exactly, and it was one of those things where I realized I wasn't great for anyone, right? I wasn't able to give my team at Marriott all that they needed, nor was I able to give my team at On Second Thought everything that they needed. And so, um, I started praying, and I was just like, Lord, you know when do you want me to leave? What, what does this look like? What do the next steps look like? And he put April 3rd on my heart. 
And I was like, all right, well, I guess April 3rd is going to be my last day. And so I gave Marriott like eight weeks notice um, because I wanted to make sure that the transition was smooth, that they would have enough time to hire and find someone to fill my position. Um, And it really was throughout all of this, um, it was a true partnership between uh, the vice president of my group and me. Um, and then, you know, sometimes we had to run things all the way up to the, the flagpole to the C-suite. Um, but, but I think for people who have a full-time job and they're trying to start a company and earnestly trying to start a company, it's really important. Um, at least it benefited me to keep everyone in the loop so that there were never any surprises. Um, but beyond that, um, they were so accommodating. Um, I mean, to the point that when I'd have interviews, they'd be like, hey, it's okay if you mention that you work for Marriott. Um, or when it came time to assign projects uh, for the new year, they put me more on maintenance things instead of creating new things so that I would have time to focus on on second thought while I was at home um, and focus on Marriott while I was there during the day. Um, they allowed me to miss our all hands on deck meeting to attend an investor summit. Like they were just so accommodating. Um, and it's because of that open communication and trust that we'd established. That is beautiful. Cause that's not everybody's situation. No. So you, I mean, you, everything was so aligned for you. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's, <laughs> It was really just a blessing. And I, it's one of those things where when I say it was God, like it really was, there's no reason why they should have, you know, been that understanding. Um, and even to the point that when I left, they were like, you know, there's always a place for you here. And I was just like, Oh my goodness. That is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm still, you know, I still have a great relationship with some of the, you know, senior, most senior executives in the company. And um, yeah, the biggest, and I think the most important thing is just maintaining those relationships and, and being communicative and creating a partnership. So it's not you versus them, you're working together. I think that information is so critical because there's so many people that are in that situation now mm-hmm. that they've created something and they're trying to figure out, okay, how does this transition work and what does this look like? And the fact that you have those relationships, not that anybody, I wouldn't want anybody to put their security in the, the no. job. No. And she said, no, no. And not today as you can't. My mother always says this generation has no job security. It just is what it is. That's true. Um, even from like a natural state, of course, from a spiritual state, I believe differently that, mm-hmm. you know, of course, you know, my source is God, but right. from a natural state, my mother's like, Oh no, this is just a bad plan. Right. <laughs> but I, I love how your relationship with them post, of course, leaving is still just so healthy. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anybody to still try to have that kind of relationship upon leaving, um, their job. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's just so key. Relationships are currency. It's exactly. so important to keep that going. Exactly. Well, you've made a lot of headway. I'm looking here. You are Inc. 30 under 30, San Francisco Business Times 40 under 40, BBC 100 Women, Washington Business Journal 40 under 40. Press. I mean, this is just going on and on and on. <laughs> you've Today Show, NPR, Forbes, Essence, Black Enterprise. Ebony, Washington Post, Fast Company. I mean, the list is ridiculous. Did all this happen while you were at the job or this is all throughout this, all through from the job through now? 
so we, while I was at Marriott, we were written about, I think it was 190 times. What? Um, yeah. And over the course of the company, so in the last five years, we've been written about, I think, like 450 to 500 times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been pretty You guys, steady. I told you Macy's a rock star. I told <laughs> you she's you. a rock star. I told you, the reality is everybody needs this technology. Everyone needs it. Everyone. Whether you're a business person or not, everybody desires, even if they don't need it, they desire to have that option. Oh, yeah. You know, it's oh, the yeah. option that even if you don't, of course, we know people will use it. But I'm saying even if somebody w- was not to use it, they desire to have the option. They, they want to know they have the security that that's exactly. always there. Exactly. It's like an insurance. And like, as I mentioned earlier, 71% of Americans who have smartphones have sent a message they've wanted to take back, but 85% want the ability to do so. Um, so mm-hmm. just as you said, people want that security. They want that insurance. They want, and that, they also want that assurance to know that, you know, if they make a mistake, it's not the end of the world, um, that you can fix it and put your best foot forward. And so that's what we're on a mission to do, to enable people to fix their mistakes, no matter what platform they're in. And through building a business like this, of course, any entrepreneurial journey has, you know, it's challenges that we are to rise above. Mm-hmm. Um, what are those challenges that you feel like you face in what you're building? Oh, my gosh, there's so many challenges. Um, I think the most important thing for any entrepreneur, um, no matter what you're doing, is to surround yourself with the right people. Um, people who have been there before, people who have just really sound, wise advice, and people who have, if they haven't gotten to where you want to go, they've gotten mighty close to it. Um, mm. I think that is the most important element to entrepreneurship, kind of like you said, our relationships are our currency Um, and surrounding yourself with the right people from co-founder to investors, to advisors, to team. Uh, Well, all of those people make up your team, but to employees, um, it is so crucial and it is the lifeblood of your business to surround yourself with the right people. That is great. Now, currently, as you're building this company, you're also acquiring, of course, clients. Yeah, that's the lifeline. (laughs) So who are your clients that are currently taking advantage of all this technology that you're building? So we currently have three clients. Uh, One is a small telco uh, named Ultra Mobile. Another is a peer-to-peer payments platform called Social Pay. Uh, And another is a customer uh, contact center software platform called Cloud Connective. Um, and yeah, they, the the thing that's really cool about them is that they demonstrate the application of our software in three different contexts. So with ultra mobile, um, they license our technology so that their users can take back their messages before they get to the other person for social pay. It's so that they're users can undo payments before they get to the other person and for cloud connective it's so that customer service agents 
can undo their messages before they get to the other person because um, the cool thing about our technology is that when you get into some of those enterprise situations, we're able to save corporations a tremendous amount of money. And by tremendous, I mean tens of millions of dollars a year, at least, depending on, on the size. You hear that? That's, I'm telling you, you're solving problems, honey. This is amazing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I just think you're just so dope. Now, there is something that you have going on that I've been hearing some buzz about that you're building, which is this equity crowdfunding platform for Black women to start early um, stage investing. So tell me more about this. So it's not um, an equity. We're not building an equity crowd pl crowdfunding platform, but what we are doing is we're leveraging equity crowdfunding to teach black women and inspire and empower black women to start becoming investors. Um, as you know, our black spending power is, is surpassing, I think it's $2 trillion uh, in the next decade or so. And as we are building these startups and these game-changing and disruptive companies that are, you know, unicorns in some cases or have the potential to be unicorns, I thought, wouldn't it be so unfortunate if women and people who look and feel like us missed out on the opportunity to create wealth for not only themselves, but also for our communities? And through equity crowdfunding, um, women who traditionally wouldn't be able to, and just not, not just women, but people who wouldn't traditionally be able to be investors because of the accredited investor requirements, uh -huh. um, have the opportunity to participate at, you know, small amounts of money with small amounts of money, whether it's, you know, for some company or for some uh, campaigns, it's as little as $50. Um, and you can invest as much as you would like from there. Okay, explain this a little bit more, because see, this is something that we have a discussion. I, I just spoke for the SEC, and I had a discussion with them about this. I'm so over, I guess you say, some of the rules and regulations, but that's just me personally. And we have this discussion as a GP of our fund, I feel like every week. Mm -hmm. And I'm, oh, I'm so just ready to scream, because my whole idea, I remember when we went to the attorneys to set up our fund, and I said, well, four million's coming from our LPs. The other million, I, I know he thought I was probably crazy. I said, I'm getting off the streets. He said, <laughs> he said, wait, what do you mean you're getting it off the streets? And I was just like, yeah. I said, people believe in us and they're going to want to support this vision. I said, so I'm going to get that other million off the streets. And he said, Arian, this is illegal. And I said, <laughs> and I said, well, you need to, this is not my job to figure out legality. You need to figure that part out. And he was just like, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love Jason. I love our attorney, um, white male Jewish guy. He was uh. just like, Arian, no. <laughs> I was like, okay. So then I went back and I said, you know what? You know, Rodney, our advisor said, of somebody course, yeah. has to give a solution mm -hmm. to us for this. Mm -hmm. So explain this just a little bit more because we're exploring options from SPVs, from the Jobs Act that allows us to do that. Um, amongst with the SEC regulations. Explain to me, how are you able to get this done? That's mm -hmm. what I probably, this, I guess it's probably a conversation, honestly, for not for the podcast, <laughs> but how are you able to get this done? So you're getting people, you're, yeah, give me from A to Z, because we're trying to get this done too. Yeah, sure. So 
the Jobs Act uh, created a provision. Oh, then so you're doing it under the Jobs Act. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. under the Jobs Act, there is a provision that enables uh, companies to file a Reg C, um, mm-hmm. which creates, it's not really an IPO. It's still a private company, but it enables um, the public to invest. Public, yeah. mm-hmm. And so we decided that on second thought's going to be huge. I fully believe that we are building a unicorn company. Yes! You hear that? This black woman says she's building a unicorn company. You speak it. I'm sorry. It, but uh. I, I feel it in the very core of my body and, and every mm. bone and cell. This is a unicorn company. And all along the way, I have I become particularly thrilled, and I don't know if I should say this, but I become particularly thrilled when people join our cap table who look and feel like me. And mm-hmm. the reason is because I know this is going to be successful. And I would be really, really sad and disappointed if in creating wealth for our investors and myself and myself as well, um, and, and my co-founder, if we also missed out on the opportunity to create wealth for other people who look and feel like us in our community. Um, and with the Jobs Act and with equity crowdfunding cl- platforms, they provide an opportunity for people who look and feel like us to participate in this success. Um, because while some of us might be, not be able to write a $10,000, $25,000, dollars check. We can invest two fifty. dollars We can invest $500. Um, we can invest $1,000. And so with this, I realized platforms like Republic provide an excellent opportunity for people who look and feel like us to invest in companies at a smaller ticket price but still reap the benefits when those companies exit and do well. Um, so that's really the, the genesis of this. Um, and with that, I also decided, hey, I need to let all Black women know about this so that whether they're investing in On Second Thought or they're investing in other great companies, I fully believe that we have an opportunity to use this legislation to change our financial futures, to build wealth within our communities, and to build yes. wealth for ourselves. And I also, and with Illy, the I Look Like an Investor initiative uh, that we've built, I really believe that, and, and I would be so, will be so happy when instead of when, when entrepreneurs who look and feel like us, when we go to raise our early rounds, when we can go to this community of amazing Black women to raise our early rounds instead of needing to go to Sand Hill Road. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like what Reginald Lewis said, why should all the white boys have all the fun? Why, <laughs> like that, mm-hmm. that applies here too. Why shall the white boys make all the money off of our companies or beyond that dictate who gets to make, who gets to build wealth for our communities? Um, and so through this initiative um, and through our campaign, subsequent campaign, um, we are creating the opportunities for us to decide which businesses we think will help or benefit our community, whether it's from a product standpoint or it's from a wealth creation standpoint. 
I think that's awesome. Um, we'll talk offline more yeah. because that's something we're getting done right now. And it's, it's what I'm talking about. This has been a heavy discussion. I feel like almost every other day, mm-hmm. um, because we, we one want to make sure that the education gets out even yeah. on so many different levels from right. our youth to our adults. Right. Um, because that's one thing that we noticed just in general, when we started to fund was just the lack of education in the community. Mm. It was just like, whoa. Yeah. Um, I have an MBA. I've been immersed in business, honestly, since I was a kid. I'm like, it's, it's my drug of choice. Mm-hmm. So I've always, I guess you would say, somewhat been around it or been somewhat yeah. knowledgeable. Um, I, say I was raising as a college student almost 20 years ago. So right. I was... Um, I remember what all of that was like, but I didn't realize how much of our community was just not in the mix. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, gosh, I said, we have got to get on this train quickly, just even due to the wealth gap. We do. In in the country. I don't think people realize it's more like it's not a option. It's 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 your duty at this point. So absolutely. Anywho. And the average net worth of African-Americans is zero dollars. I know. And they said it's by 20, 2053, we're like off the charts. So exactly. Girl, don't even get me started. That's yeah. a whole nother, I'm like, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and just one other thing. The other thing about these equity crowdfunding platforms is that for women who are thinking about becoming investors or who are just trying to get their, you know, build their investment thesis, these platforms provide you an opportunity to get your feet wet without committing large amounts of capital, right? So you can test Mm -hmm. your investment thesis without committing $100,000 to it. You can do it on $1,000, you know, and give $250 to one company here, another $250 to another company there, maybe $50 to another one and three or four. And where are you getting the companies from? So we, um, we are not creating an equity crowdfunding platform. What we have decided to do is we are um, opening up an equity crowdfunding campaign so that people can invest in on second thought. Um, but there are lots of platforms out there that in- enable you to test your investment thesis. So whether gotcha. it's like Republic or WeFunder or, or Seed Invest, there are some really reputable ones out there. Um, and I would encourage everyone to, whether you're investing in on second thought or not, to t- seek out these platforms, take a look at these companies and start to test out your investment thesis in a very, I mean, investing in startups is always high risk. It's very high risk. Um, investing in our company is very high risk. Um, but these platforms enable you to kind of de-risk it because you're not writing such a big check. You're writing, you know, what you would spend on Starbucks in a month. Mm-hmm. I I think this is just amazing. And I love that you sought this out even for your business. So that's what you're saying. You're using, yeah, yeah forming an organization under the Jobs Act. So use for your business to raise. And I think this is good. This well, is just- I, I want to be very clear. I'm not just forming this for my business to raise. Um, I'm deeply passionate about black women learning. Oh, no, investing. Oh, no, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. I guess I summed that up so quick. But um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. For, for the raise and the education of it, I think they go hand in hand. It just is what it is. Right. Exactly. And, you know, and the vision is kind of to build it into some sort and we're still figuring out what it is, but to build and create and build this community and turn it into, like I said, a community of women 
that other black founders can go to to raise their friends and family or seed or pre-seed rounds without mm-hmm. needing to ever go to Sand Hill Road. To that is it. the truth. That, that I guess we can talk fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, that's what made me even get on the other side of the table is mm-hmm. that I was actually pitching a venture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't like this feeling. Mm-hmm. It was, I even just disclosed it. It was um, a meeting at Gary Vaynerchuk's office. And mm-hmm. I remember standing on the streets after it in the city of New York in 2016 and just watching the cars go by. Mm-hmm. And I was just stuck. I was literally just standing there. And I said, why don't I know anybody that looks like me that I could be sitting across the table from right now mm. having this discussion? And it didn't sit well with me. So I figured I had to get up on the other side of the table. Well, yes, you did. So, yeah. So that's pretty much how I even got into the space. But no, I, I love your heart and your passion about this. And like I said, we will talk more offline because we could probably talk for days. Yes. And absolutely. I love just even your level of attitude and just your declarations and affirmations about you're like, I feel this in my bones. I'm like, yes, she's convinced. And anybody who's convinced can go on and do great things. Right. Now that I am convinced of. If mm-hmm. you're convinced, I'm like, oh, that person's convinced. I'm not stopping them. Yeah. And, um, and it's not because I'm just, you know, like, oh, yeah, we're so great. But it's because I know. And, and like I said, I say this because I, I, I know part of your focus is on spirituality. Like, that's the promise God gave me. And mm. that's and therefore it's true. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so. Thanks for tuning in to the Fearless Podcast yes. with Arian Simone. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review.